ต่างๆ Good morning A review What are things that should be in a good uh, components of, of a good meditation practice Give me one component of it. Awareness. I'm sorry. Awareness. Awareness. Okay. Relaxed. Relaxed. So we have relaxation. Anything else? Come on, there's still posture. I'm sorry. Posture. Posture. Good posture. Okay. What else? Four foundations. The the foundations of mindfulness. Okay. Huh? The method. That's right. That's true. That was like the the, the gimme one. So, um, anything else? Breathing. Breathing. And some of the things I talked about yesterday. One very important one. Right view. Huh? Right view. Right view. Yes. Okay. There's still one one left out there to, for selection. Your chance to get a, some good points here. <laughs> no. Let me give a get a moment to think about this, and another moment. Does that refresh your recollection? What? The moment. Yeah, being in the moment. So let's talk about those because all of these things have to be there when you practice. And another component, which is no thought. Um, first of all, the method. We have to know what our method is. When we have a method, we need to know all about it. We need to know what it what it does first of all. And what it does is it just simply is something that the mind is fixated on to the exclusion of other phenomena. So when we have the method. Our method could be the method of watching the breath, of using a huato. Anybody using a huato today? A few people. Okay. Um, sun illumination. Anybody using sun illumination? Wow, that one fell out of disfavor. And then watching the breath. And then how many people are using something other than what I mentioned? Raise your hand. No. Okay. So we have to know what our method is, and we use our method, and we hold our method just very lightly. We don't hold it very tight, just enough to hold the method. And we, in the uh, Watteau, we're constantly calling up the question, and we're looking into the mind ground for the question to arise. That's the big key, is that we are looking for it. That's what it means, Watto, before the word. We're watching it coming out of the mind ground. And the only thing we're doing is doing that. We are very much intent on that. When we are counting the breath, we are just watching the breath. Only intent on the breath here. The practice with these kinds of methods, at some points, become disinteresting. To, to you. But disinteresting is actually very good 
because before, especially with kids nowadays, you know, um, you if they're not playing a game, if they're not on their their cell phone, you know, they're disinterested in the world because they're constantly wanting to be titillated at the sensory gates. So instead, we reverse that and say, we don't need titillation at the sensory gates. It is not boring to be at rest. And we can find that our mind is at rest, relaxation, without having to sleep. But most of us, once we start getting relaxed, we start getting sleepy. We go, oh, I'm so tired. Oh. This is so relaxing. Why? Because we're so tired all the time and we've lost the ability to be relaxed in every moment that we're in. Master Shen Yang talked about that, that he's always resting. So for instance, I'm resting right now from riding in the car coming over here. And before that, when I was riding in the car, I was resting from having breakfast and before that I was resting from sleeping and so you look at the things in this way you're always resting so when you sit to meditate you're resting so it becomes a very comfortable and familiar place of relaxation because you take your relaxation wherever you go you're very very calm so you have a relaxation you have your method you relax your body you relax your mind and as your mind becomes more relaxed go back to your body double check it make sure it's sitting up straight and relax it more and you just let go of all the tension in your body the tension in your mind is released simply by you letting go of of thought so which is what we t talk about no thought so we get used to the mind of no thought no thought is the mind that does not desire continuation. The ancient master said we must sever the mind that desires continuation. By now, uh, from this weekend, you should understand what that means, is to sever the mind that desires continuation. Uh, do you remember the Sanskrit words we were talking about? What, what that's called? Anybody? Akusala. Akusala, the sticky mind. So we want to get rid of the sticky mind. We just want the mind that just uses a thought and then it's, it's done with it. It extinguishes it. And it goes to the next thought and extinguishes that. And goes to the next thought and extinguishes it. It doesn't need that thought anymore. If it needs the thought in the future, it will bring it up. But until it needs it, it doesn't have to cling to it. And so it works in this way. What is the meaning of nirvana? Does anybody know what the English meaning of nirvana means? I'm sorry? Nirvana. Perfection. Huh? Cool. 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 It means blowing out. So we blow out. So what do we blow out? We blow out the next, or the thought, so no succeeding thought comes. We use the thought, this thought, it's gone. We're liberated. We no longer have the idea of the sense of self. 
we've blown out the sense of self. If we blow out each succeeding thought before it gets, it has a chance to, to give rise to another thought, then we're finished. And that's liberation. So we look at things in this way that we extinguish it. A kusala is a, attaching. Kusala, we blow out. That is a wholesome, mindful state. So it's very simple. It's very simple. The Theravadans don't have a, a corner on this market. We use it as well. We just understand very carefully what this means to to blow out. We start blowing out now. There's no time when all of a sudden we just simply blow out. Sometimes that happens in what we call subitism, where there's sudden enlightenment, but it's not so sudden. It's sudden because of all of the work that you've done before that. So we understand when we're sitting to meditate, we blow out the thought. The only thought that's not blown out is the method. When we blow out the thought, the only way we blow out the thought is just simply allowing it to pass through mind, appear in mind, unobstructed, and allowing it to dissipate on its own accord without giving any mind's attention to it. When we give mind attention to a thought, we have guaranteed that that thought will come up again. And, and as equal or more intensity as we're giving it in that moment. Because this is what we do. If we let go of the thought, then we're liberated. Doesn't mean that we're not subject to the karmic forces that brought forth that thought or the possibility of things that could happen. But in this moment, they cannot take away your tranquility. But we all have problems or issues or things we have to do, projects we have to finish. Um, bills we have to pay. Um, but in this moment, those things are not present. They have their own time, and you deal with them in their own time. But in this moment, or when you're pumping gas, or when you're sleeping, those are not present. Let them be. Have liberation in that moment. Rest in that moment. So you have this relaxation. No thought, just the thought of your method. And if in your silent emanation, there's, there's nothing there. You're just in a state of being in the present moment, no thought. And you're relaxed. This is your practice. With the right view. The right view, from the right view, what did I tell you when you sit down, what will happen to you? Do you remember? First thing that's going to happen to you when you start meditating. Thoughts come to you. I'm sorry? Thoughts will come to you. Thoughts will come up. And they come up why? That's what we do. That's natural. That's natural. They're going to come up. That's important. That's important to know that. If you were going to fight an enemy, you'd want to know one, who the enemy was, and two, when where they're coming from and how many of them there are and how to fight them. We fight them not by by uh, trying to slash at them and push them out, by just illuminating them. So we illuminate them. 
This is very important. You have to begin to understand illumination in this way. If you can understand illumination in this way, you will find that it becomes very easy to practice. So all this week, weekend, what I've been doing is approaching this to give you the right view, which was on Friday, and Saturday, more right view, and the method, how to use your method, so that you can approach the practice in the proper way. When you do this, it makes it easy. You have, if these components are there, now, another little subtle component that comes into play here is called sublimeness, a sublime state. And actually, this comes even from the Abhidharma talks about it. When I started talking about sublime states at one of the other uh, uh, places that I, I teach at, the pe people were so happy because they're saying, oh, the Theravadan teacher came, and she talked about sublime states too. These are common ground. I go, yes, it's common ground. And we should have a sublimeness to us. What does a sublimeness mean? It's like serenity, that there's a sublimeness when we sit. We have nothing to do. We're just simply with our method. Just like the poem I read yesterday, have you heard of the man of the Tao with nothing to do? So we just sublime so easy. What do I do? I just follow my method. I'm sublime. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do anything in this moment. I, I um, paid my money and whether it's money or not money doesn't matter. But you, you paid in allocating time to come today. So get, get your money's worth. Get your time's worth out of it. Don't waste it by simply trying to uh, think about things that aren't here. You have plenty of time to do that. So just be sublime. That's pretty cool. That's really a good benefit from the practice. You just sit. Some of you sit. Don't be mad. Don't be looking that way. Don't be, don't be anxious. Don't be anything. Just be sublime. Be cool. Okay, I want to read a little bit from Master Shen Yang. And you'll find that what I say to you, and what he says is about the same thing. It's what you get. You come to a Chan class, you get Chan teaching. We've been teaching the same thing for 2,500 years. So, but it will work for you. And this is called illumination without effort. So remember, I keep talking about illumination. So let's see what Master Shen Yang has to say about illumination. To achieve the concentrated state of mind, when you sit, you must pass through three levels. The first is picking it up, which means to return to the method over and over again. In other words, if gaps in or interruptions occur, you must keep returning to the method. So the first thing is you want to get that method stabilized. You want to keep it coming, 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 coming. The second level is contemplation. And you heard me talk about contemplation, which occurs when there are no gaps in your method and it goes smoothly and continuously. If your contemplation continues on a smooth course without interruptions, 
you may reach the third level. So the contemplation is this idea of using the method and hanging in there, and all of a sudden, it switches into a different gear via this contemplation that there are no gaps, that the method is being used effortlessly. You are not thinking anymore. The mind is engaged in contemplation. As it begins to contemplate, it rolls into the the third level, um, which is illumination. So he says, the third level, illumination. It is clear awareness. Remember the um, the Tibetan master yesterday when we were talking, when he was, I was uh, reading what he said, he talked about clear awareness too, or clear light. What is this clear light? Think about what does clear light mean? It doesn't add anything like these lights here are maybe office lights or daytime lights, probably daytime lights, and they have a certain um, um, temperature that they burn at that gives a certain um, color. But clear light adds nothing to it. It's just an illumination of everything without casting any kind of a tint onto it. It is clear awareness that you were practicing the method. Of the three, illumination is most important, which is why I always talk about illumination. When you're working smoothly on all three levels, you are truly using the method correctly. During such times, speaking of scattered mind is irrelevant. Since there will be no scattering, working on all three levels will also help you to overcome drowsiness. Sometimes, however, the best thing to do is rest. As most of you should be concerned with the first level, namely taking up the method, don't be swayed by tempting thoughts. Just continuously bring yourself back to the method. Whichever method you use, counting the breath, Watto, Shikantaza, point your attention inward. Remember I was talking about turn your mind's eye inward. So you don't want to look at things subjectively, object and subject. You turn your attention inward, but what he's saying here is use your awareness. Don't use consciousness, but use your awareness. And a matter of fact, that's what he says next. The light of awareness needs to reflect back to illuminate the mind. Try to picture this now. The light of awareness needs to reflect back to illuminate the mind. Say it again. The light of awareness needs to reflect back to illuminate the mind. So what you're doing, instead of trying to look out your eyeballs, you're aware of what is arising in mind and that what is in mind at that moment. So that awareness is not thinking, it's not consciousness. It is just the mind's own awareness and everything is reflected upon it. Not just your inner thoughts, but everything that one sees is reflected upon it. So as in the mind's eye, all of this is seen, but there is an awareness there. There's not a cogitation about it. It's just simply a, what he's saying is a clear light. There's no discrimination, no attachment, no coloring at all to the, to the images that, that are being received. It is a raw feed. 
and it's just coming in and reflecting against the walls of the mind. I'm going to tell you something. When I started talking about this and teaching this, I hadn't read what Shifu had said before. But I came to it on my own practice. And then when I read what Shifu had written, I knew I was on the right path. Because his words are identical to what I've been saying. And they're identical to what I've been teaching you the whole weekend. And here it is. And he's talking about this light of awareness. And that is what we talked about. Of the component of a proper meditation practice is right view. You have to know what end of the hammer to use. If you want to shatter through all the illusions. So we turn the mind's eye inward. We're using awareness, just as awareness. And allowing everything to reflect on it. We don't have to reach out and touch it or do anything. Once we try to reach out and touch it, that's consciousness. When we just use our mind's awareness and then allow the body and mind to move in harmony with that, then we're moving in wisdom. What they call walking in John or talking in John. It's moving freely. Therefore, while meditating, you should know whether you are dull, scattered, or really on the method. This itself is cultivation. So you have to begin to look into it. Am I on the method? Be honest. Don't sit there. Don't, don't waste your time, please. You have to bring it, okay? It's not like you're, you know, you're going to be the hero of a kung fu movie and you and you fight five of them, you knock them down and go, I'm tired. Meanwhile, they're all stabbing you. No, you, you wouldn't make a good movie. You have to hang in there. You have to fight. You have to be able to, to, to stand up to it and just keep coming back and coming back. The resiliency of doing that. This is called virya. Virius is an important component and it's one of the 37 aids to enlightenment or factors of enlightenment is virya. Anybody know what virya means? It, it, the word viral comes from it. So viral means to have a lot of energy. Well, he's macho, he's tough, he's very virile. But it doesn't mean it's just men that are macho. You guys have to be macho too. You have to hang in there and fight. The word in Sanskrit, virya, believe it or not, means hero. Just like the Kung Fu heroes, it means hero. It means somebody that can stand up to 10,000 enemies and do that. And that's what you're doing when you're on that cushion. But instead, you let the thought bubbles take you away. And then you lose it. Or you get drowsy and you lose it. But you have to go further. You have to push it. You can do it now. You can do it. You can hold on to the method, hold on to the method. And it will transition into this contemplation. Once it transitions to the contemplation, it transitions very quickly into illumination. And you may get a peak of the illumination. And then, boom, you're gone again because you're back at work. But then you 
remember, hey, wait a second, I'm not at work, I'm here. So you become well-oriented as to time and space, like I said. And that's the factor of whether or not you have possession of your full mental faculties, know that you know where you're at and what you're doing. Simply because you close your eyes and you meditate, why do you allow your mind to take, or your consciousness to take you away? You have to fight. No, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not leaving this John Hall. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. I'm not going. I'm not going to the beach. I'm not going to work. I'm not going wherever. I'm staying here. And so you stay. And you, you fight it. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to, to be thinking about these things. Method, 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 method. And you stick with that method. And the method will transition you into the other side of it. In breath counting, for instance, you will naturally be aware that you are counting your breaths. It is not direct awareness, um, but peripheral, indirect and unintentional. This awareness is illuminating. So what it's saying there is that you're aware of the breath and you're giving it the slightest mental attention. The slightest attention. And so you're letting... And the rest of the mind is just resting. So the whole thing is you want to try to use as little mental attention as you can or mental, to, to maintain your method. If you lose the method, use more, more mental attention. Keep trying harder and harder. And if you can't do that, open your eyes, you know, open them up as wide as you can if you have to, to just to keep the mental attention there until you can reel it all back in. This awareness is illumination. Um, it should be present no matter which method you use. And that's why when I talk about this, it doesn't matter which method. And we were, yesterday we were talking, and Master Boshan was talking about Watto, but it didn't matter what, what method you were using because the, the instructions he was giving was good for any method. It rises of its own accord as a natural part of the method. Concentration, he says, I should make clear, illumination is not concentration. Concentration demands energy, but illumination is effortless. Use the concentration of the mind to get to the illumination. But the illumination is just simply resting the mind in itself. When it's resting itself, it doesn't need anything to keep it there. Once you get it there, it can, it's self-parking. It just parks. And, and you just keep your method going, keep your method going, and stay in this illumination of the mind. It rises on its own accord as a natural part of the method. It is like, and this is a good analogy, it is like a mother who is busy while her child plays nearby. Although not watching the child directly, she is also aware of the child. After you've spent considerable time practicing a method, illumination will be so strong you will, never, you will no longer be aware of external stimuli. You will be close to the level beyond awareness of space and time where thoughts are minimal and the body ceases to be a burden. 
this is an effective practice indeed. So where you're headed to is that once you get into this, where you're using your method, you can hold on to your method, it comes into the, to this contemplation so that you're seeing the method, you're seeing it seamless and, and the mind is just perfectly there. This contemplation is the mind awareness teaching you. And once that begins to happen, voila, foom, everything in the mind becomes illuminated by this clear light. Everything is so perfectly in its place. Doesn't mean that the thoughts are not arising, but you're noticing the thoughts when they start coming up as a little, what's called an ephemeral bubble. The masters love to talk about ephemeral bubbles. I would talk about it like um, a, uh, a Diet Coke. Uh, initially it's a Diet Coke, these bubbles coming up from the surface. As one begins to use the clear light of the mind, it transitions from a Diet Coke where you're just seeing these bubbles on the surface to a Sprite where you can see all the way down to the bottom where the bubbles are beginning to form and coming up to the surface. That is subtle wisdom. That's your transition. I'm sure the masters way back when would have used this analogy of Coke and Sprite uh, had they had those things there. They just used the, the moon and reflected in the bucket of water. But in our way, we see it in this way in talking about these ephemeral bubbles. And you will see as, you, as the mind speeds up, you will see not just thought arising, but the potentiality of thought arising. Thousands and thousands and thousands of potential thoughts that are there just waiting for a movement in the mind. Number 63, that's me. I'm going up. I'm the tax bill, you know, and whatever it is. And so it's just waiting for its time. So whatever you see, these bubbles are coming up. And you and they don't even form a thought anymore. They're just representing the potentiality of things coming up. And the mind is so still and so subtle, it sees those until all of that begins to, to dissipate. And then the mind enters a state of perfect equanimity. And all of those things are not seen, but experienced as just mind itself. Any questions? Yes. I'm assuming that when you talk about thoughts, you mentioned thoughts, you also uh, also include sensations and feelings that accompany the thoughts, or really vice versa. Uh huh. But the feelings, the sensation, too. Right? All of those are thoughts. All of those are thoughts. Thoughts. The images. Also include things that aren't images, as I was talking um, the first day about cravings, desires, vexations, emotions, and that are looking for something to attach to. Those are these, uh, these occlusless thoughts that are colorless and formless. 
You can't see them. They're just hovering, looking for something, trying to find something, and over all these ephemeral bubbles, and it's going hatred, 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 you know? And you go, the guy that works next to me, I can't stand him. You know, all of a sudden attaches. You never saw that. All you saw was the guy that works next to you that bugs you, and boom, it attaches to it. You never saw this part here, so you were at a loss as to why all of a sudden this person pops up in the mind. You miss that because this concurrent cause is is a um, a karmic force or habitual tendency that's colorless. But all of a sudden, this guy starts moving up here, and you have to use your subtle wisdom to detect that and I equated it to an astronomer looking at a black hole and surmising that if there's things that stars that are moving and there's no apparent star in the vicinity that would produce the gravitational force to move it towards the center of the area that one's looking at there must be some unknown gravitational force unseen one that is pulling it there and when we see that essentially what happens is that we see it with our mind's eye now we know we can spot that and we can detect through understanding how mind works what is drawing that up to the to the center of the mind this is the subtlest of wisdom the only subtle wisdom beyond that or subtle detection is the final vestiges of, of the self that overlays itself over this clear light and and it's so clever it overlays itself over the clear light to say ha enlightenment it, it's so smart it doesn't even say I'm enlightened it just says this is it and 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 so it's self-verifying enlightenment and you miss it and then the person gets very frustrated because when they go to verify it with the master the master doesn't verify it for them and Shifu was talking about this young man that came to him and said you know I'm enlightened you know you and me we're enlightened you know oh, so anyway so that he Shifu Master Shen Yun was asking him oh and how do you feel how do you feel? Do you feel light? Do you feel heavy? And he, 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 he's trying to think about all these things, you know, and, and, he, and worrying about what answer he's giving. And, and um, so, so finally he said, Shifu, you ask me these questions, you, you make it seem like you, you don't think I'm enlightened. And he said, well, an enlightened person doesn't act like that. And he was doing a, the young man a favor. Shifu, I remember he called me in one day to talk to me and was asking me those questions. And I said, Shifu, you're asking me all these questions, you know, to, to, to see what my level is. I have no interest in that. I have no time for that. And he goes, good, okay, go back to meditate. Because this is the attitude that one should have. We should not think to 
to think about, oh, you know, to impress him. Well, there were times when I had my ego come up, you know, and do that, but not at that moment. And and so when you when you have this kind of an attitude of non-attaining, non-grasping, non-abiding, you have a better chance that you're going to get a genuine experience. But you never think that I, I'm going to get a genuine experience. All you do is you just keep practicing. You don't have to worry about the rest of it. It's it's actually very very mundane. Any questions? Yes. You have to speak real loud. Um, on the point you mentioned earlier, say um, to put minimum attention on your method, I thought it should be the other way because our minds are capable of multitasking, if, especially if your master is a repetitive one like a counting breath, it can very easily go out on the pedal and your and your other parts of the mind go all over the place. So should we get put maximum attention on the method instead of No, the more mind power you use, the the more tired you will get. So you want to conserve your mind power. And when you're using very little mind power, it enables the mind to rest and, and, and to settle down. So you use enough to keep the method. So if you find that you're losing the method, then you bring, bring more mind attention to it, more energy to it. But you only hold it like this. Try to remember this, okay? You only hold it like this. You don't hold it like this. If you hold it like this, you'll squeeze all the life out of it. So you hold the method very lightly. And if you start losing it, then you add a little bit more to it. It's like, have you ever used one of those helicopter things, the, the little toys with a helicopter? Any, how many of you used those before? When you use them, something very interesting. Like my son said, hey dad, you know, I, I got this helicopter. You want to? No, I don't want to do it. Please don't. Do it. Okay, I'll do it. All right, fine. So I said, it took off so fast, hit the ceiling, boom, came down. I go, I hope I didn't break it, because I put too much effort into it, and and right from the beginning, it didn't work right because it just took off. Or I went this to the right, and it would go so fast to the right. So you had to be very subtle on the controls to try to, to get just dialed in just right so it would hover. And what you want to do with your method is the same thing. You want to hover with the method. Do you understand that? You, you just hold the method enough to keep it there without giving it too much mind attention. Just enough to keep it there. You don't need too much because it's not a major thing. You're not trying to solve the theory of relativity. You're not making all these complex equations on the board. You're just watching the breath or using the huato. So it doesn't take very much. All you have to do is say your huato and then go back and look to where it's coming from. It's very nice and subtle. In the beginning with the huato, if you cannot control it and you have a scattered mind, then you begin to plaster the mind with the Watteau. So you use a lot of strong energy to do that, just to, to get control over it, to block out all the other part. Then you start reeling it back in until you get to a, a, a more of an easier method. But if your mind is so full of scattered thoughts, then yes, you use more mind energy to do that. 
but as you begin to to get it, the Watteau will, will is self-governing. It it will keep the method going itself, and even if you want to abandon the method, it will pull you back into it. So you won't have to worry about that. The main thing is just dialing in the method right. Once you dial the method in right, then it will work. It just comes with trial and error with that. And, and as you begin to do that and, and you, you use it, initially, because you're on the Watteau, you use more energy, but you begin to know how to, to pull back and let the Watteau naturally run its course. Okay? And, uh, yeah, does that answer your question or not? Okay. All right. Any other questions? Yes. Do we got time for another question? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, cause first of all, that kind of answered a little bit of the question I was going to have, but uh, I kind of compare it to like a the, the where they say you know kind of clear your head so that you can you can start fresh type of thing. Uh huh. But of uh, if you have like a lot of scattered thoughts, which a lot of times maturity overrides every day is like that type of thing. Is it better to kind of put some time and thought into that kind of stuff so that when you start a practice, you do have more of a clear head? Or is it as you get better at practice over time, you just, you learn to kind of like what you were saying, is you learn how to figure out where you need to put your time and energy each time. Your question's a good question. And it probably is the um, the defect in probably 90% of the people's practice. And that's that they need to give their problems or their mind attention to their problems for a little bit and then go, okay, now I'm going to practice. But once you do that, what you do is you start creating the... Um, the necessity of doing that every time and you're building up a habit energy of, of equating meditation with solving your problems. Okay. So Master Shen Ying said it in this way, it was very interesting, he had one of his senior students and they were doing a method called Shikantaza which is watching the body spatially but all you do when you watch the body it's like you, you have like this cardboard cutout of you in the room and, yeah. and but the person was saying, oh Shifu it was amazing with the chicken toss I could look inside my body and I could see I had a problem here in my liver and I had this problem and this and this and he, and then Shifu just stopped him and said listen he goes that's nonsense if you're sick go to the doctor but otherwise follow your method don't don't be looking into that stuff that's just clever tricks of the self and so don't do that just when you come here you dedicated this time to the practice and hit it right as soon as you get there okay you're hitting there and you're not waiting for that perfect moment that you're going to be able to, to do it you just get on and whatever it is you write it at that moment okay and you you get control of the method you know how to do it you get how you get control of the method you stay in the present moment you're relaxed you know what the method is, you know what's going to be coming up, you know whether you want to or not, all these thoughts are going to come up. And you just let them know where to park them. So you just let them, they're self-parking. They come through, you don't have to park them, they park there. You don't have to say, okay, you park there, and you park there. They park wherever they want to park. Because they're just like these habit energy that comes up. And some of them are be bigger than others because 
they are more have more emotion tied to them or recent or frequency or whatever the frequency ones like the work keep popping up becoming here comes another one over here and you just let them go let them go let them go and you stay with the method so as long as you stay with the method and no matter how many times and how many years I say stay with the method people abandon their method five minutes in it's like what Matt one master said that the people are grasping at um, at the uh, at the seaweed and the and the kelp, to, uh, or more like seaweed and and foam, uh, to try to hold them up in the water, to to save them, and that's what they're doing. Is when they're holding on to the consciousness, it's like they're holding on to the seaweed and they're just sinking down because it's not buoyant. What's buoyant is the method. The method will save you, not not all of these thoughts that are rising. So it's the same thing as if you were drinking seawater to quench your thirst. It's not gonna quench your thirst, it's just gonna make you thirstier. So you don't do it that way, you use the proper method, the proper medicine to do this. And so oftentimes people say, oh, you know, Gilbert, he's he just too deep. You no, know, it's going over my head. but. I don't want to teach shallow. I want to give you the proper medicine. I want to give you the medicine that will work. I'm not here to hand out lollipops and, and so we can sing songs together. What I want to do is to liberate. If you can become liberated, that's good. And if you can teach to others, that's even better. So, so this is why I, I say this. But it's not so hard once you listen to it for two, three days, you begin to understand, oh, this is not so difficult. This is natural. You picked it up very quickly. It's natural. It's just the way it is. The mind works this way. If you put a bunch of stuff in there, coming out is going to be the same stuff. And the more you put in, the more comes out. Very, very simple. So you understand that, and you understand if you put a lot of method in, you're going to get a lot of method out. And that's what you want to do, is you just want to get it so there's just method there. But we want to get something. We want a brownie point. We want a button, something. And because of it, we mess it all up. But if we just let it go, what's wrong with just peace? Isn't that enough of a reward for you? If you sit there and you're tranquil, at least you're not calling people names or thinking about calling people names. You're, you're at peace. Not bad. But we always want something to, to validate that it was worth our time there. I remember somebody was telling me when I first started to meditate, it was a, another attorney later became a judge, but he was going to, he kept saying to me, Gilbert, you're going somewhere for 10 days and you're going to sit on a cushion for the whole time and you're not going to talk and he couldn't understand you are not going to talk yes it's, it's very pleasant you don't have to talk you don't have to talk but to him he could not fathom you know how could I not talk 
But when you find the, the, the peace in the meditation, this is what you have to do. That's the sublimeness that I'm bringing to you and adding to, to, to it today, is search out that sublimeness, and that will make, make your, your, your method work. Any other questions? Yes. Well, okay, so um, you sit down on the cushion, and um, let's just say that you, know, you have a recognizable dysfunctional thought in your head. You know, like you're saying, oh my God, I, I forgot to do something, you know, but you can't get it out of your head just like that, you know. Um, even in that, in that moment where there, the urge is there to, to go back and do something, still hold to the method, still just do the method. Is that pretty much what you would say? I would say that. Um, other than the fact that you forgot to pick up your wife at the airport or something like that, then I think you probably go better go to the airport <laughs> and pick her up. You know, I mean, I said dysfunctional because you you know that you really it's nothing like that. It's, it's probably your garage door. Something like that, right? <laughs> right. You know that you probably did lock it, but you know, there's something in you that says no. You know, you might not have. Don't worry about it. Just sit. Just sit. You'll be fine. I used to have a student that every time he came to the class, he would start coughing when we started to meditate. He wouldn't cough during the Dharma lecture, but when we started to meditate, he'd start coughing. Finally, he went to a seven-day retreat, and every time he sat down, he had a bloody nose. So much so, they had to take him to the hospital. By the time he got to the hospital, his bloody nose stopped. Okay, they brought him back. I'm okay now. There he's like, <laughs> you know, and it was just uh, what we call obstructions. And so these karmic obstructions are such that make it very difficult. Once I went to a retreat, and there were so much obstructions that were trying to prevent me from getting to the retreat, when I got to the retreat center, I actually kissed the floor that I made it there. And it was a very good retreat, but I was appreciative of it, but I was also cognizant of the forces that were trying to keep me from, from going there, the karmic forces. So don't worry about that, you'll be fine, okay? That's why you have insurance anyway, okay? And you're nice to start worrying about whether you pay the insurance. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Can I ask a question? Yes. Uh, so one question is, um, you, you uh, compare these thoughts which bubble up, um, you have two bubbles which become larger and larger, and somehow awareness is a mechanism which, which understands how you yes. be aware of this and how to control it and push it down maybe. You don't push it down. Okay. You just illuminate it. Yes. And the question is, where, what is the, the thing they, they up, up out from? What is this vacuum or whatever it is? Yeah? What is it? Is it you, or is it like, where do these thoughts originate? Ah, good question. <laughs> now you're, now you're getting to it. Go ahead. And the second thing is totally unrelated. You say, once you're there, you're peaceful, it's nice, but what consequences does it have? I mean, if everyone is sitting there meditating and has reached this, is this a good state in itself? A good state of what? Yeah, for, for us. Because society couldn't function, so 
is this really what we should strive to for? Because, or is it in a way a very egoistic thing? Because I mean, we're cheerful and great and illuminated, but is it good? Yeah, it's better to be cooler. I mean, if we're, we're, let's say, on a sinking ship, I'd much rather have you be cool than, like, holding on to me, pushing my head underneath the water, you know, because you're freaking out. So it's always better to be cool. It's better than, yeah. It's better than the alternative. The answer to your first question is, that is where you're at. Like, with her method, and using the method of Huato, you want to know where the thoughts arise from. What, in fact, is that? What is that? You want to know that. You have to know that. You, you need to keep looking there. What is that? You, you keep looking there. What, what is that? Where, where do the thoughts come from and where do they go? So you, that is Chan. That's the investigation of mind. You want to see that. Look into it. Even if I tell you what it is, it still would not mean anything. But what it, what's more important is for your investigation of looking into that. That's where you look at, okay? You don't look at the consciousness. The consciousness is going to teach you nothing. You have to know what manufactured that consciousness and what is that consciousness appearing on. So that gives you a whole lot to look at, a lifetime. But it's good. You, every day you want to know that. Just tell us now and then we'll... <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> we'll have to figure it out in our own time. How, how much am I charging now for that? The <laughs> <laughs> stick. 10000 <laughs> uh, If you're in California, I charge you 10000 for it. <laughs> that's what... That's the going rate is for enlightenment. Price. Huh? That's half price. You wouldn't <laughs> appreciate it then. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I, I might give you a discount, you know, if I don't have to pay California taxes. So, but uh, in any case, it, it doesn't work that way. I wish it could. If it could, I would just have people lined up, you know, and then just be touching them like that. Touching them, give me, give me, oh, you didn't give it no touch. Okay. You give me 5,000, I give you a half a touch. But it doesn't work that way. Only in California does it work that way. Okay, where they have people that are selling, selling enlightenment, and, and Taiwan. You know, I'm sure China will get a corner of it pretty soon. Um, but that's not the way you go. No, if you're, um, you know, people are charging outrageous amounts of money for enlightenment. I would stay away from those sem seminars. You know, um, they're. Um, they're going only going to enlighten your wallet, okay? So you don't need that part. But your question is a very good question. That's that's exactly where your head should be at right now. Exactly where it should be. Where is that coming from? Where did it, where did it go to? Okay. Any last questions? No. All right. We'll take our break and we'll come back.